Sonic Statesman. What's wrong? So, here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 181. Last week's 180, which uh, felt like a... which was, did I don't know if anyone listened to it, but at the very end, everybody said, almost in unison, 180, in a kind of darts-type fashion, which was very... It was just very uh, synchronous, I think, and uh, so, uh, yes, very pleased with that. It turned out very nicely, uh, and... Um, We'll say hello to everybody in the chat room today. I think um, that uh, Ustream's chat is working out a bit better. Like I say, we are going to try and get a, our own IRC uh, server so that everybody can just log in that way and they don't have to use a, a Ustream login. But um, as I say, it's only me doing the coding, so it has to form an orderly queue at the uh, on the to-do list. But anyway, hello and welcome everybody in the chat room. Uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live, 4pm on a Wednesday is where you can find us. Now streaming via Ustream with Wizzy bang cameras. I'm flipping cameras here just to prove that. I'll wave that one, then I can wave in that one. And that one and that one. Anyway, I'm back. But um, welcome, and also welcome to my guests. I'm very, very pleased to uh, to say hello to PJ Tracy from PJ Tracy Music, who uh, we haven't spoken to for a long time, but uh, it's really great to see you, PJ. Or at least hear you. I can't see you at the moment, but I, I put a lower <laughs> third on there just to represent you visually. Thank you. I'm very, very pleased to be here. And uh, yeah, very, very pleased to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, it's always a pleasure, mate. Brilliant. Well, PJ, um, pjtracymusic.com for all your PJ Tracy needs. Um, I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot more from him throughout the show, but it's very pleased to see you. Are you busy? Got, got much on? Yeah, actually, I am. Um, let's see. The E3 Developers Conference was last uh, a couple of weeks ago in uh let's see middle of june uh which is our video game developers conference and i made a pitch to several video game developers oh, wow. at that conference and so i'm just kind of decompressing from that and then my studio mate uh jim grafsgard uh who is an animator of uh of much note um he and i are uh were just funded to do a short film and turn one of his graphic novels into a movie. So um, I'm doing all of the sound and the score for that, as well as, uh, you know, recording all the narration and that kind of thing. So oh man, it's, lots it's, on. Yeah. And it's all that yeah. you've got to, have you got to, um, have you got to transcode and do and present it in all the right assets with all those kind of weird naming conventions and folder structures and stuff? Yes. Ah. <laughs> That, I remember doing that sort of thing. It's it's a kind of IT management project in itself, let alone the creative side of it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And um, edit decision lists and all of this crazy stuff. So it's uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of new for me. I'm I'm I haven't done a a, a lot of doing sound design and sound for picture that kind of thing. I've done um, you know the music and that kind of thing, but uh, this is sort of a new a new world for me, and I'm uh, I'm enjoying it. Oh, excellent. That sounds great. Uh, do you, uh, I, I was talking to somebody a while back and they use um, Subversion, uh, or somebody's used Subversion, which is like a kind of uh, asset management system. It's very simple, it runs on any old kind of Linux box and you check in and check out assets. And it's a really good way of kind of keeping version control. And you can do it with binary files, audio files. It doesn't have to be tech stuff. You should maybe look into that for project management. Oh, it's really, really def- useful. All you need, yeah. um, you can download the server and just bung it on any old kind of crummy PC and it'll uh, it'll run a subversion uh, system. You just need disk space, and then also and it's, mean it's called subversion. You're yeah, saying? subversion server. Yeah, 
Okay, wonderful. And because um, I'm using it at the moment, because I'm doing a new version of Sonic State to uh, that works on a, a different, just a slightly different um, kind of technology, and it just means that people can, if you put it internet facing, people can download the stuff and just go, "Hey, I need that one from three weeks ago, version number twenty-two." They just go and get it. Oh, very good. With that, but yeah, try that out. It's it's pretty good. It's a command line thing, but you can get clients, you can get uh, kind of visual clients for Windows and stuff. So it sort of runs as a natural program. Anyway, PJ, I'm glad to have you, and I'm glad you've been able to take time out. It sounds like you've got a very busy schedule at the moment. So uh, we'll also say hi. We'll come back over this side of the pond and say hi to Mr. Dave Spears from G4Software.com. Dave, I feel very guilty. I know you've got. Uh, is it a new Core i laptop you've got? Yeah. And uh, we tried it before we started the recording, and uh, it didn't work. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it works fine, but it just didn't work with the uh, with the particular mic that you've got and the USB mic, so I'm sure yeah. it'll be all fine. No, I'm in that whole migration hell. And uh, guess what? I lost all my broadband for an entire day yesterday. Ooh. That was good. It all slowed down to a snail's pace and then vanished. Oh, wow. So I rang uh, BT and said, uh, what's going on? And they said, oh, we migrated over to a new system yesterday and everything seems to be fine. Apart from you. And you're on and there's no problems at all. And I went, I'm not on, I'm not on. And then after about an hour on the phone, and I have to say the guy was brilliant. We were going through the router and all the rest of it. And uh, he said, ah, actually, in the time I've been talking to you, we've had 2,000 phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit of an outage in your area. Right. Hmm. It's funny how that thing happens. Isn't it? They swear blind. Same thing happened with my tele- my TV the other day. Just went and they said, oh, we'll send someone around. And then they sent me a text the next day saying, oh, he's not coming. We've identified a problem with your area. It should be fixed in eight hours. Ah, <sighs> uh, What can you say? So, but how is the i? Uh, I mean, how is it? Is it fast? Was it an i5 uh, or an i7? Or what? T- tell us about the spec. I don't know. I can't remember what it is. We, uh, we've got a couple on that. Because uh, I think it was that Squared or whatever company is doing some kind of leasing deal. You can lease interest-free for a year. So we've got a couple of lappies. I want that link, Dave. Uh, I think it's <laughs> over with now. Oh, I mean, damn. We had to jump through a million hoops, but oh, hey, really? it was kind of worth it for us because oh. we wanted to get one for John. And, yeah, so at the minute I'm kind of taking stuff from a little G4 laptop to my old laptop, uh, my MacBook Pro, and then from the MacBook Pro to the new MacBook Pro. So, yeah, that's been my life for two days. It's all. Uh, why is it always that way? Isn't there an easy way of doing it? That's what I want to know. Well, in fairness, I was using Migration System, which was fine. Uh, but then when it came to take stuff from the G4 to my old MacBook Pro, the one I'm using now, it was taking forever, and in fact, it, I left it on overnight, didn't do anything, came back, thought, this can't be right, quit it, and it turned out that there were a few disk errors on the old G4, Hallelujah. to be fixed, yeah, before I could do it quickly. So, yeah, anyway. That's always a bit of a terrifying moment. What with that and the broadband, it's been a great week. So you've just been enjoying the weather. Well, anyway, um, glad to have you here, and um, we'll we'll leap back over to the other side of the pond, and uh, we'll say hello to Mr. Rich Hilton from uh, Chic Studio, Chic and Live Chic, and just general all, all about studio and live guy. How are you, Rich? You well? Real, yeah, I'm real good, thank you. Uh, enduring some rather extreme heat here in the Northeast. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you you've got the aircon on. It's over ninety degrees where you are, right? Yeah, right now it's ninety three. It'll be up by a hundred before the day's out. Wow. How are your, uh, how's your lawn doing? 
Uh, the lawn's a little dry, but hanging in there pretty well, actually. It's a bit dry. We haven't had too much rain lately, and uh, they're encouraging people not to uh, spend water outdoors. So it's a bit dry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got the same in our, but I, my lawn's about the size of this table here in front of me, so I'm kind of able to water it from uh, from the dregs of my drinking water once in a while, you know, so it's uh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're on a half acre and most of it's lawn. Oh man. Wow, that's uh yeah, that's a lot of it, a lot of, a lot of work to do then. A lot of work. Yeah, it's a it's a big and it's on a very hilly uh property, so uh it's a workout mowing this lawn. You got the sit down? No, we You're, don't. Oh. I've got the chase behind. Chase behind the run. The run. Hey, come back. Don't roll down the hill. Watch right. your toes. I know the one. Hey, so um, I, before we start, I missed out last week, and I just wanted to have a quick chat about the uh, the Mick Khan project, and uh, I'll quickly play a little bit of uh, music to get this in the, in the mood. stop it before the vocal comes in because it's all about the bass man that's um that was triggered uh, it's rather sad news actually and mick khan who i'm i'm still i still think is one of the finest bass players on in this world of that ilk i mean he really is just so lyrical and musical that was mick khan on um visions of china and uh on the, the japan tin drum album uh, mick khan is unfortunately not very well if you go to mick khan.net um he's he's suffering from uh, advanced stages of cancer and uh Unfortunately, time has not been kind to him financially, so he's a little bit kind of under under the cosh financially. So there's an appeal launched, and you can donate to his uh, his appeal to sort of help him keep the family going. But there's a really good uh, there's something else really good going, which is um, Steve Jansen, who's the drummer, brilliant drummer, who also his original non stage name is um, Bat. I can't remember whether he's Steve Bat, but uh, he is Bat. And I just wanted to. I remember I went to a gig once and and said, "I'm a Bat too." And he looked at me like I was some kind of moron, <laughs> which I clearly was at the time um, but anyway he's he's got a load of photos from back in the day of um, touring tin drum time and in the studio and you can buy pictures and they're not all of mick but if you buy one um, i think it takes 28 days to get delivered but all of the money that goes to that will be donated to mick's fund and i just wanted to draw attention to it. i did post a news item and i forgot to mention it last week i mean i was i was playing mick khan before the show last week and just so people who perhaps weren't familiar with his uh, his his style and sound could um, could appreciate it fully but mick khan.net dave you 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 turned me on to this last week and i must admit it was quite a shock it sort of feels really sort of oh my god because by all accounts he's just such a really nice guy i mean i guess you know illness is something that happens to everybody but when it comes to someone who's got such a, a rare talent it sort of feels somehow more unfair or more tragic yeah yeah in fact it was a twitter post by dave robinson that actually turned me on to it um and i went over to the site and was just kind of gobsmacked really just sort of it was one of those sort of moments where you kind of sit there for 10 minutes going, blimey, it, that all seems very grim. So I went straight over to the Steve Jansen site and bought a couple of fantastic pics, which turned up yesterday. Oh, actually. did they? How are they? Are they are they, are they framed or are they just... Uh... No, they're mounted. Oh, okay. Um, and he signed them. And uh, yeah, no, really excellent. Well worth it. Well worth every penny, I would say. All right. Well, if you, I encourage anybody who's who's got a kind of feeling for, for this guy to, you know, appreciates his work, maybe to head over and do something, you know, can donate or whatever. I think there's a we put a news item last week up uh, with a PayPal button and what have you. I mean, however you want to think about it. I don't know. I mean, um, 
I don't think Japan were that massive in the States, were they, Rich? Or PJ? Not so much. Not so much, no. At least not around me. I knew people who knew of them and liked them, but it was kind of an undergroundy thing. Yeah, it was quite an arty thing, I think. I mean, they kind of got away with it in the UK because it was, it, was, uh, it was basically a concept album that sort of went over to the mainstream, and p- p- partly because it was such a great record. This, we're talking about Tin Drum, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, you must come across this sort of thing all the time, you know, with a, such a large circle of, of musical friends. I mean, people inevitably get ill, and it's just one of those things. But it just feels... It's always shocking, isn't it? You can never... You can never kind of really deal with that. Well, yeah, and as a matter of fact, Mick Karn played in the band of a friend of mine, and that's the one time I saw him play. Oh. Uh, my friend David Torn had an album uh, a while, a couple, I don't know, a decade or two ago called Cloud About Mercury, and Mick was the bass player and very integral part of the sound of that group and uh, blew me away. Like, uh, as Dave says, I was gobsmacked. And, yeah. Uh, and we Americans don't get gobsmacked much. And, uh, <laughs> not nearly enough. <laughs> yes, I suppose not. Probably not. That's true. And uh, no, Nick was spectacular, and David had nothing but glowing things to say about him and enormous respect. And I believe Torn produced one of Nick's albums as well, yeah, called yeah. East Steel Cluster, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah you can get all this I'm stuff probably- on Spotify if you can get Spotify. It's, um, it's one thing Spotify started to do is put up a lot more of the obscure stuff. And I found a load of Bill Nelson things and lo- all of the... Because I couldn't find titles, which is Mick Khan's first solo album after Japan, which has got some really beautiful work on it. I mean, some of the songs are a bit dodgy, but the bass work and some of the atmospheres are really, really, really beautiful. And you can get that on Spotify now, but you could never get it on iTunes. So um, check it out if you can. I know, PJ, uh, uh, have we talked with you about Japan before? I think you, you were appreciative of their work in the past, haven't you? Uh, no, uh, well, no, I don't think so. Um, they're a little bit before my time. I mean, I'm, fam- I'm familiar with it, but I'm not, uh, I wouldn't, you know, number myself amongst their fans. Uh, the, the number of musicians that he's played with, though, I was reading his biography, is, is uh, impressive and formidable. The number of great musicians. Um, Mark Isham, Terry Bozio, yeah. uh, Bill Bruford. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, and, and, and throughout his biography, he's quoted as saying, I don't really care for jazz. And <laughs> he's done quite, quite a bit, you know, quite, quite a bit of that kind of work, it seems. So I'm going to have to go back and, and listen to the, uh, the McCarn discography. Oh, excuse me a second, seem to be getting a phone call. That's inappropriate. Hello? Oh, well, I hung that one up, pressed the wrong button. And that's what happens when you phone me in a live situation. I'm likely to panic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, but go over to mickcarn.net and, and check it all out because, uh, you know, it's, if, if you can help and feel you want to, then I'm sure it would be appreciated. Right, let's move on to some of the other, other stuff here. Uh, oh, no, actually, Dave, I wanted to ask you, there's, there's a gig, isn't there? There's going to be a kind of like Japan stroke tribute type gig, is that right? Is Mick, uh, Midge, you're organising it before we... Yeah, yeah. I did email Midge. In fact, I kind of emailed saying, we're old and we're creaky, but we can lift stuff and we're good programmers. So if you need a hand, you can have our services gratis. Uh, And I know that he got the message, but I haven't had a call back. I believe it's on the 31st of August over here, but I, I don't know any more about it than that. Right, so we'll we'll keep an eye out for that. If we hear anything, we'll we'll send it out via Twitter and all the usual channels and stick a news item up because I might try and get tickets for that because I think that would be something great to go and see. Because I mean, aside from the fact, I mean, I, I'm sure Mick won't be playing, but if you, if Steve Jansen is playing, 
He's one of Steve the, Jensen. He God. he is one of the best drummers I've ever seen. I mean, some of the stuff that he plays is really complicated. And I'm sure I've told this story before, but when I saw them play in Bath, Mick Khan and Steve Jensen were playing there, and they both looked like they could be reading a book at the same time. You know, it was just effortless for them, almost uh, insultingly effortless. I have to, <laughs> but that uh, yeah, really amazing. And it's just the sound of his drums as well. I noticed I've, a couple of things that I've heard. He's one of those guys who seems to hit it really precisely, and then very beautifully tuned so the toms all sound just kind of spot on and everything's kind of really just so so he's either brilliant yeah. himself or he's got a great drum roadie and high standards it's just amazing his patterns just sort of evolve over you know 64 bars and then they'll come back round and they'll do it's so precise it's brilliant and also watching barbieri program as well is just a is a joy particularly on the profit and the OBX and stuff. It's just mm. like, it's like, wow, wow. You're getting all those amazing tones. And it really is somebody who knows his instrument inside out. And it's interesting with Mick Khan because I think Mick Khan's quoted as saying, he doesn't even know what notes are what on the bass. He just plays. Yeah. I don't buy that. Not anymore. Hmm. Maybe when he was 16. Yeah. I mean, I saw him do um, a Prince's Trust gig with Kate Bush. Actually, where her top fell off. <laughs> well, you were there. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps not for her. And, uh, you know, they were doing, I think Pete Townsend was there and they were doing sort of loads of different tracks from various artists. And, I mean, he just coped brilliantly. But he's, his movement across the stage, did you notice that? It's just sort of, he almost glides across yeah. the stage. It's like he's doing a sort of moonwalk. I just wanted to, to tackle that. So 31st of August, we think there's going to be some sort of tribute gig, um, but stay tuned for the details. Right. Um, okay, right. We're, we're on to the embarrassing subject of, uh, well, I'll play it and you can tell me what you think. Like a mouse and you act like a cat. I'm dazed and confused, hanging on by a thread. I'm being abused, I get better off kid I can't stand this tease and I'm starting to crack You're out to get me your arm I rest my case, my lad. That was, um, first of all, the sound of uh, Jake Holmes. It's 1967 album of grub the above ground sound of Jake Holmes. And uh, then followed by the classic Led Zepp track, Dazed and Confused, which uh, believed to have been a Jimmy Page classic for more than 40 years. Um, Jimmy Page covered it when he was in the Yardbirds when the song appeared first on the Led Zeppelin album in 1969. It was credited only to him, who pocketed the royalties ever since, and now they're being sued. Um, kind of embarrassing, wouldn't you think? I, I, I mean, who knows what sort of deal went on behind the scenes, but uh, you'd sort of... It, I, I'm sure a court will uh, will have to have to untangle it all those years ago. But um, is is that sort of thing embarrassing, in this, or is it just, you know, par for the course? Because that sort of thing used to go on all the time back then, didn't it? Yep. Still does. Yep. Yep. <laughs> How many sessions have I been on where somebody sticks in a cassette or a CD or hooks up an iTunes player to play me something else that they want, whatever it is I'm working on, to sound like? 
Yeah. I suppose, yeah, I mean, that sort of thing happens all the time. But this, I mean, that that raises another question. But, I mean, there's no doubt that this is one and the same by the sounds of it. I mean, obviously, I think the letter... Oh, not at all. I, oh, I could raise enormous doubts. Could you? Yeah. There is one very, very small section of the Led Zeppelin arrangement that resembles what is actually most of the other guy's piece. But there are a lot of sections that have nothing to do with the guy's piece. So what's going to happen, I predict, is that... Zeppelin will settle with this guy out of court and pay him a pittance for the one section that they did borrow. What about and, the lyrics, uh, though? There's the lyrics. The lyrics are not the same. Oh, well, they're not. Well, they're no. nearly the same. They start with uh, I'm dazed no, and confused. Tell the story. They are really, they, they, he goes, been dazed and confused for so long it's not true, and then there's a whole different story. Uh-huh. It's sung to relative, more or less the same melody. In other words, I don't deny that that section of Led Zeppelin's arrangement is strongly based in what they had probably heard this guy do. And that he'll get something for that, but this isn't the case of my sweet lord. <laughs> okay, in my view, no, I, I think that's a fact. I mean, I think undeniably there's something there. I mean, it sounds very uh, like an open and shut case to me, but uh, I am not familiar with the entirety of both tracks, so I, I'm coming at it from a sort of very, uh, um, you know, hundred mile view point. But it's quite. It does raise some interesting questions. Like, I mean, how. How how much influence is okay and how much isn't and how you know where where does the line get drawn and how do you deal with that kind of stuff? I know PJ, uh, you as a composer presumably get asked to do things in the style of and like all the time. I mean, how do you deal with that kind of thing? Very carefully. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I have been asked on many occasions to uh, to do something in the style of somebody else or been given a reference track and said, make, you know, make it sound like this. And in some cases, um, and in my opinion, very distastefully, you have to try to get as close as possible to the feel without, you know, infringing copyright. And there's no formula on how to do that. Um, I try to, I try to stay away as, as far away from the original as I can just, because that's my own proclivity while still, you know, making, making the client happy. In this case, however, I, I have to respectfully disagree with Rich, and I think that they, that they lifted this guy's tune, essentially. I mean, I know they did change the lyric, and there's uh, obviously they're doing some, some differences to the arrangement, and there's that B part that Zeppelin added to it. However, that being said, uh, that was commonly done and probably still is commonly done. I mean, uh, Bob Dylan was known for taking me whole melody lines, you know, from, from Pete Seeger tunes and, and other folk songs and just Woody adding Guthrie. his own lyrics. Woody Guthrie, yeah. And uh, this was just common practice. So many people ripped off old, old blues guys and, you know, what, what they thought at the time were obscure you know, obscure artists that have now resurfaced and come to light. So I, I don't know that this is, this is different. And it's certainly not the first time it happened at Led Zeppelin. So. No, sure. I mean, it, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, cause almost, I guess there must've been a, a situation where there was a kind of conduit, you know, the band were, the, it was almost like, you know, you, if you have a good song or a good tune, there's a conduit, which it goes through to kind of gain wider acceptance. But I suppose if it's, if uh, at least on the face of it, it appears like you just took it whole wholesale, then um, that's kind of an issue. But I suspect there must've been something going on behind the scenes. And there have been in a number of cases. I know Dave, how do you, how do you kind of deal with that sort of thing? Or, you know, when you see it, what, what, do you, what do you do when you kind of somebody gets you in and they say, "Hey, I've got this new track to work on," and you sort of go, "Um, that sounds quite a lot like this." Or do you just keep your mouth shut? Mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, uh, my memory is so bad anyway. I'll kind of go, oh, that sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. But I can, it's, in fact, Andy Shillito's the one. If I play him anything, he always, he always turns around and goes, oh, that sounds like such and such. And 90% of the time he's right. He's a sound-alike guy, yeah? Yes, he seems to know his uh, stuff. He should be the musicologist. Yeah, you could get somebody like him in. I mean, when I'm, com- when I'm doing my own stuff, sometimes I've kind of accidentally taken something or not lifted something but i've kind of taken a line or something and but the thing is i'm probably such a bad musician it comes out nothing like <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let alone what it was like originally <laughs> but that raises an interesting point doesn't it as kind of how you self filter because i mean obviously there's only you know so num- so many combinations of notes and what have you and how do we kind of retain retain that kind of originality i mean rich you you work with a guy who's got a very large kind of musical repertoire and you know uh, is the originator in a lot of cases i mean how does it how does it manifest i mean you know do you kind of think oh actually you know that may sound a little bit like this i mean do do you even think about that until you get to the end because sometimes you just kind of see it through and then go right well this might be a bit of an issue we should maybe relook at that or how, how how can it work well he doesn't tend to rewrite good times (laughs) <laughs> um, no. but, but he is a stickler in, in a sort of a different context for not repeating himself lyrically within a song. So I don't think that really counts, but that, that's the way he's more, it, it, he just kind of lets it flow in the style that the project requires. And, uh, he does like to pay attention to what's out there in order to make the thing socially current on some level. Yeah. But, uh, I don't, think there's a lot of concern about being derivative in terms of reflecting your own past work um and it doesn't he is not really a copy or a copying kind of guy that much i mean he does like to use other pieces of music as sort of stylistic templates but we all we immediately move on from what their decision making process was and into our own within that stylistic context yeah, I mean, quite often, you, you know, at the beginning of a project, there might be something that gets you going. You know, people listen to certain genres of music and go, yeah, I, I kind of like the feel of the 60s or the 70s or the psychedelic stuff or this disco thing. You know, let's get grab a whole bunch of things, get some, maybe some patterns together and just kind of see where it takes us. I mean, that's not an uncommon scenario, is it? I mean, re- reference of other work is, you know, is, is, is kind of perfectly acceptable. I just wonder how, you, how the line gets crossed. Absolutely. Is it just Absolutely. being caught? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it, wasn't it Picasso was famous for saying, uh, good artists borrow, great art- artists steal? <laughs> yeah. Well, it happens all yet- the, it does happen all the time in, in classical works and, you know, and it's, it's, it's acceptable in classical, you know, variations on a theme and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in the, in the modern lexicon of film scores is borrowed entirely from, you know, the 19th century classical repertoire, mm. romantic and post-romantic mm. repertoire. So. Still, anyway, I mean, it was uh, it, it's it's an interesting case, and I'm sure there will be uh, it will go on and on. But I mean, this guy's obviously, I mean, because didn't didn't uh, P Diddy um, sample it as well? I oh, know that was da 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 da. Yeah, okay. But I'm sure there must be other samples. There must be. I mean, the amount of revenue that that could possibly have generated over the last fifty years has got to add up to a a bunch. And if you're seventy and sort of facing, well, I don't know how well off or what it is, he is you know, it's it, every little helps. I guess something to pay the uh, the harsh winter winter fuel costs but i hope you get something from it because it's definitely you know there's no denying that it was 
more than a little inspired by, if not a direct copy of the essential elements, in my opinion. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, um, right, uh, let's see what we've got next. Oh, I suppose I should do our ad, because um, it's always nice to welcome our sponsor. I want to say hello and welcome. Thank you very much to our sponsors, uh, Yamaha.co.uk. They really um, uh, continue to support the show, and uh, we really do appreciate it. And they want to draw your attention to a couple of things. First thing is YamahaDownload.com, which is the place where their newsletters resides, and also um, a, a lot of other Yamaha and artist-related info. Uh, well worth subscribing to. Lots of information there, including software drivers, the latest gear, this and that and the other. In fact, we know, um, in fact, um, I think the podcast on the 21st of July is going to be uh, a, a pre-recorded affair because I'm off to uh, Hamburg to see some new goodies from Yamaha. So um, I'm looking forward to doing that. It's my first ever jolly, actually. I don't feel guilty about it. It's not something I do very often, but I'm really looking forward to that one. Anyway, uh, but also they want to draw your attention to their CP pianos, which are their latest version of stage pianos, uh, which use spectral component modelling. There's uh, virtual circuit modelling effects and also graded hammer action, but it's also kind of relatively liftable. And obviously, any large stage piano is going to be heavy. It should be because it's got a load of mechanics in it. But what Yamaha really encourage you to do is to head off to a Yamaha dealer near you and play one. You know, we can talk about it. We can show you videos online. We can have smooth players getting really nice sounds, all the different electromechanical sounds that are uh, available on the CP range. But if you go into a store and actually try one out, it can't beat actually hands-on you know that's what you really need to do and obviously if you go and buy one um, somehow tell them that we sent you because then it'll make us look great but we really do recommend that you check that out and yamaha encourage you also to do so best way to do this um, if you want to get involved in the newsletter sonicstate.com forward slash yamaha that'll take you to a link there there's also links to podcasts which are something that they periodically do as well but we do thank them very much for their continued sponsorship of the show it's very much appreciated Ah, guitar processing gizmos. Anybody sort of noticed that there's been an enormous amount of iPad and iPhone guitar processing hardware software? I mean, obviously, IK Multimedia uh, seem to have been the first to market, and, you know, their publicity's been everywhere. They must be selling them by the bucket load. But it seems to me there's a whole bunch of them. There's also the Griffin Technology one, um, something called Guitar Connect. It's a cable that turns an iPhone into a portable guitar rig. And they all look, um, this, um, there's a video um, which I think we had a... Um, on the the news website, which um, which shows it on an iPad, um, which seems to work really well because you can sort of reach over and turn things on and off. It seems like this is really opening up um, the kind of whole portable app musical kind of genre thing. Has anybody tried any of these uh, guitar sim things or seen anything that makes them excited? Rich, I know you you like to twang occasionally. Is there anything there that uh, you've spotted? Well. Uh, the demo of that software that was associated with this story, the name of which escapes me at the moment, uh, was pretty interesting. Um, I guess IK's stuff is sort of interesting. I generally kind of resist the IK label and don't tend to use their stuff, but I'd try it. I'm not surprised to see these things uh, exist, and I think it's kind of neat, actually. They must be selling by the bucket load, I think. I mean, because judging by the amount of publicity it's gone, it's really kind of broken completely outside of the uh, of the usual kind of music tech channels. You know, getting onto the BBC and all that sort of thing. That happens once in a while with products. PJ, you're not really a guitarist, are you? But have you come across this stuff yet? Uh, I'm not a guitarist, but I do use some IK products, so occasionally I get a mailing from them. You know, denoting what it is that they're they're releasing, and I've looked at this. It's it's pretty cool. I I'm 
interested to know why or or maybe i haven't looked very closely do these do the, do the ipads the new ipads have a proper usb port on them um apparently if you get the camera kit uh you can uh plug a camera kit which gives you a usb port which apparently if you have a class compliant usb audio interface it right. will work but i don't know whether that works with the guitar stuff i couldn't okay. um I couldn't say. I mean, we'd have to try that out. But I'm hoping. I would imagine that it would be really cool as an effect, as an all-around effects device, you know, mm. as a vocal processor or a synthesizer processor. Oh, because the uh, right. The These things are obviously di- mostly geared for a, a guitar-level signal. Whereas if you could pad it down and get the right sort of signal in there, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Hmm. Dave, I, I, I know uh, perhaps not comment on the, the, the you know, the, the IK stuff, um, but, you know, generally this idea of this audio hardware proce- using your stuff to process, it's kind of quite a concept, isn't it? When are you going to, when's yeah. your, when's your hardware filter going to be coming? Oh, hard, soft filter processor going to come out then? About 2035. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm not sure I believe you. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. Um... Yeah, no, interesting. How much was this guitar connector? They're all about 30, 40 bucks. I mean, that's what the general kind of gist of it tends to be. Okay. Yeah, the cable was like 25 bucks or 30 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And that, nice. I, I've seen some other stuff as well. I, somebody, I, and I wish I could remember what it was. It was like a piece of hardware that plugged into uh, an iPhone or iPad. Um, that was, um, that was kind of, you know, a, a, again, a guitar jack, that kind of the same kind of concept as the waves guitar port, you know, lines, all that sort of stuff. But, but for the, it just, it just seems like it's going to be really opening these, these applicate, these, this hardware up. And, uh, I, I don't think that can be a bad thing. I know we do get um, criticized for talking about iPads and iPhones a lot, but I mean, you cannot deny that it's a force to be reckoned with, particularly right now. Yeah. Not yeah. Why either. I might try yeah. one. I'm, I think what we're going to try and do is um, we've got a new guy um, coming on stream to do some guitar reviews. I might get him the iPad and see if, how many of these we can get and just get him to do a roundup of them because I think it would be pretty interesting to see what they're like, you know, really, rather than gimmicky, whether they're actually really, really possible. Because I know a couple of them. I think the um, certainly the uh, Guitar Connect has a playback, so you can play backing tracks and then play over the top with your own effects. So, you know, there's, you could maybe use them with, for busking and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, at the very least, for practicing, yeah, It'd be really cool. Yeah, could you imagine seeing a busker with an iPad? <laughs> That's a bit kind of high tech, isn't it? Really, for your average busker. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Well, no, I don't You've know. I mean, we uh, there's some buskers in town. All the buskers in town, uh, all the guitar buskers in town, use the uh, Roland uh, acoustic guitar battery amps. AC33, that sort of thing, the battery-powered amps. And they've generally got sort of fairly um, advanced either iPads or Zooms or, you know, whatever. And I've seen, you know, quite a number of these people with this kit. And there's a busker in town as well who does beatboxing, and he's just got a floor pedal with just tons of looper effects and all sorts of things. You know, it's pretty... um... Yeah, I like that. I like all that kind of rough-and-ready approach. But, you know, seeing somebody with an iPad... Do you think it breaks it? Well, you're just showing off, aren't you? (laughs) Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Think about it. Most buskers might be. Well, I suppose that's the point, isn't it? <laughs> uh, while we're on the subjects of some new stuff, um, you've seen the Motu Microbook? That looks interesting. Yeah, USB audio does. interface. Uh, I think it has six sets of outputs, uh, which is uh, four no. sets of... No, four sets of three outputs. Sets, three three set- sets 
of outputs stereo. And yeah, right. Three sets of output stereo, SP diff, eighth inch, uh, and analog, and also uh, a couple of inputs. But I, I couldn't find out. They were the, the publicity was a little bit light on details as to whether it was uh, on board DSP or just use the DSP you know, accessed via uh, USB or v- of your computer. Did anyone get a clear clarification on that? Couldn't really tell. It was sort of alluded. It was the sort of language that made me think that perhaps it's not built on, but it's got on board, it's got oscilloscope, uh, f- FFT phase meters. It's got a Im- uh, compressor classic input on each channel. It's got EQs. You know, it's got ability to do quite a lot of things. And a 10Q, a 10 bus Q mix, USB looks kind of good in the way that, well, different to the usual Motu fare, because the usual Motu fare is black and sort of semi-rack mountable, whereas this thing looks kind of like a video case. I know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of Motu stuff. I haven't got any, but most of the stuff, you know, most of the people I work with tend to use it, both in a live situation and in a studio situation. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'd, I'd like to get hold of one of these and try them out, because I'm, I'm desperate for a multi-channel audio interface, because I've got... All of this routing that I've got available here, but I've only got a stereo out of my uh, Mackie Onyx, which is love sounds lovely, but I need more output so I can do various more things. I know, um, PJ, you, do you use Motu stuff? Yeah, I have in the past. I don't own any currently, but uh, I used to have an 896, and I really, really like that interface. And then uh, way back in the day, 24IO and the original 828 and an 828 Mark II. And I think their stuff is well built, well executed, and uh, this looks really cool. It looked to me like it was, uh, like it was trying to directly compete with um, something like uh, the Apogee Duet, where somebody might say, I, "You know, I, I just need a little more I/O and the ability to mix internally," and or uh, maybe um, like the TC Electronics Connect mm. Connect series of of little devices. And uh, it looks really cool, actually. I might, I might pick one of those up because I don't ha- currently have a portable. No, two hundred and sixty-nine bucks. It looks like it's going to be. And I mean, the one thing about yeah. one thing about this stuff is that we know, at least, you know, there have been issues with drivers from other manufacturers. But the thing about Moto, certainly with their Firewire stuff, is it's usually absolutely rock solid. That's why people just keep going back to it because it just works. In my experience, I don't know. Dave, do any of your live um, people use Motu stuff live, or are they RME guys? Did Yeah, did do, uh, but changed over to RME in the last year or so. Um, I like Motu stuff. I, I, I use, in fact, I don't use any hardware. I do use the plugins. I use the Mac 5 has got this fantastic piano on it. And uh, is it the SNO instrument? I think I use quite a lot. Uh, but this is, looks great. Great price. I think I'm taking out a. Uh, I'll take out one of the Digi Mbox Pro things, Mbox Pro 2 or something, but I thought price. And it's got a spectrogram waterfall. A spectrogram waterfall, indeed. Yeah. What, is that some kind of um, analysis view? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I've been getting like into this. I, I've just done a review of the uh, Zils Lab. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, PolyKB, and I used uh, a free downloadable oscillator, oscilloscope uh, plug-in to kind of you know to, to check out the waveforms that was kind of uh, so I, I kind of like the idea of some real-time stuff because i think with analog gear it's good to see how good the waveforms are sort of somehow give, makes me feel like i'm adding some sort of gravitas and added value to a review rather than just kind of flipping <laughs> flipping through a few presets <laughs> now we've gotten to the bottom line okay right i don't know how you got that out of me i, I was so confident going into that sentence i don't know what happened <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good to have some analysis stuff, I think. Anyway, um, and by the way, if you want to check out the Zills Lab thing, I just put it up online before uh, the show went out. Um, cracking synth, absolutely cracking. Just so musical and warm. Really, really nice. I don't know if anyone's had a chance to check it out, but it does, the only downside is it runs on a uh, iLock or a e-license dongle. But you know, but yeah. What 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 portable stuff do you use, Dave? Do you have a portable device, or do you tend to when you're working away just headphones out the output? Uh, no, if I'm doing any serious work, then I'll take the RME out with me. But uh, other than that, like I said, I've got a little um, Digi. I'm looking at it now, Mbox Two Pro thing. Okay, which I'll plug into the lappy. But yeah, you want to check that that works all right on the, uh, the the new lappy after the uh, the incident with the microphone earlier. <laughs> Before you find yourself in a kind of time pressured scenario where you're actually yeah. getting paid. Yes, that would be bad. <laughs> Ah, um, Rich, what do you use portably? You've got a, have you got a duo, a duet, or what's the Apogee thing you've got? I've got an Apogee duet. I've got an Mbox 2. Uh, Niall's got an Mbox 2 Pro. We've got a few Mbox 2 minis over at the studio uh, for other purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this Motu product looks fantastic. For the price point, that's a lot of I.O. It's got digital uh, output on it, which is pretty outstanding, really. and. Uh, can be used simultaneously with the analog outputs. They've got a really nice little demo video on their website for it. I was very impressed. For the price, I think it's really nice. We'll try and get one in for review. I never have much luck um, getting in touch with Jim because Jim seems to single ha- Jim uh, seems to single handedly run Motu, as far as I can tell, and uh, so he's uh, always just incredibly busy. But uh, I suppose if he if he ever listens to this, let's. Uh, <laughs> Send us one over. We'll have one for review. I'd love to check it out because uh, I definitely want to try. Because I, I, I'll talk about just one one more brief thing. Because um, I've been using uh, Reaper, which is the new this, this open source kind. Well, not open source, but it's a, a licensed door. It costs like sixty bucks for for and it works on OS X, Windows, and I think it runs on Linux under Wine. Uh, and it's bloody brilliant. I've used it for the last for the last podcast, and I also used it for the uh, Zillsoft review, where I was I could set up a kind of ducking scenario, so I could play my play the synth, and my voice would duck it, so my voice would be audible over the uh, over it. And it's just it records in MP3 format. If you want, you know, you, I can drop MP3s directly on the timeline. I don't have to convert it like I do with Logic into WAV files because it's not recorded in iTunes. Really, uh, really, really worth checking out. Apart from the, apart from the manufacturer called Cocos, which just sounds a little bit dubious somehow, but it's a it's a it's, it's an absolutely brilliant door. I can honestly, and you know, normally these kind of um, cheap freeware, you know, low cost ones always seem a bit dubious, but this one is great. It's got very low CPU footprint as well, so you can just fire it up in an instance where perhaps you would be struggling for power. This thing will work, and it you know it, it'll it's got a VST wrapper built in and stuff. Dave, I, I think I spoke to you about it last week. You use it for testing, don't you? But uh, that's about yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I wanted to plug it because I, I I'm currently into that, and that's my my tool of choice. In fact, I will edit the podcast in that today. I believe. And also the other great thing is I can do the podcast and I can speed the playback up to one and a half times so I can edit it much more quickly. <laughs> wow. So, so I just... How's the MIDI handling in Reaper? Or is there any? There is. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting about Reaper is it's got uh, only got a single track type and you just tell it what input it's got. So if you say I want a MIDI input, then it's a MIDI track. Oh, very cool. Um, but it can be all. So you can have MIDI and audio on the same track. It doesn't matter. It doesn't care. Oh, wow. So, you know, there's some quite interesting 
kind of potential there. So it could be a MIDI or an audio or an instrument or any kind of thing, really. I mean, it's really got no, um, doesn't care what you're de- what you're dealing with, and you can throw any kind of audio into it. You don't have to say, right, this session is a WAV session. You could go, well, I want to bring this MP3, and you go, yeah, stick it on the timeline. We'll deal with it. It's based very much. I, or I was told when I was talking to Gaz Williams because as a guest he was evangelising it to me, so I thought I'd better try it out. And he was uh, he was saying it's written very much from a Sony Vegas point of view, which is what I use for video editing all the time. And so, the hand, the timeline handling, the the marquee handling, the, the the ripple edit, all of the sort of way that those things are handled, and the multiple format is is very much from that mould. So, uh, but uh, but I've spoken to a couple of people, um, you know, since uh, Dave West, who came down um, uh, to to bring the Sonodyne speakers that I've been trying out. Oh, he said, oh yeah, yeah, I know all about. It. I, I always pe- pe- lots of people use it live because they just chuck it on the laptop. It's got a low footprint with an RME interface. They can record sixty four channels of audio, no problem, straight you know on a laptop. You know, so they take the live gig. And there's no dongle and all that stuff. But anyway, I, I shouldn't go on about it too much. But it, I just thought um, it's worth mentioning because I, the, the more I've been using it, the more I'm impressed. And I can always seem to find a way of doing something quite easily, you know, once you dig in a bit. Um, oh, what's next? Oh, Moti Microbook um, Prince um, being at it again. Prince apparently says, uh, declares the internet is completely over. It was, um, it was this over is, for me yesterday. This, yes, well, he, he's, he was obviously right. He's a prophet as well as being a, uh, a, 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 once, a once great musician and a creative force. Now, that's a bit unfair because, I mean, you know, Prince love him. I think he's heading towards that slightly more eccentric but and more vocal kind of individual. But whatever he's doing, this has got to be working because he's been sort of expanding all of his theories on uh, why he should only release his records on the cover of... Uh, the Daily Mail or the Daily Mirror or whatever it is that he's doing, uh, which is coming out, I think, quite soon, isn't it? It's going to be, it's going to be out. Uh, when is it? Um, July the tenth as a freebie on the Daily Mirror, which is a UK newspaper. Presumably in other territories, the same thing. And presumably they pay him a healthy sum to be able to whack his album on there. And you've got to admit, smart guy, really, because nobody else is getting any advances or pre-sales of that sort of size. Yes, please. That, what did we talk about last time? Didn't he get something like four hundred thousand pounds? Didn't we, I remember he did this for his last album and, and, and got some incredible amount of money. And I think this kind of his statements uh, in here, which are just fantastic, you know, it's he's just uh, what is, he says, I don't see why I should give my music to iTunes or anyone else. They won't pay me in advance. Uh, I don't think uh, what else he said. They just uh, all these computers and digital gadgets are no good. They just fill your head with numbers and that can't be good with you. I think he's just playing the fool to get publicity. He can't be rich, hasn't he? I know you, you posted this uh, a link to this on your Internet your internet thing as well. So obviously, clearly, you don't feel the same way. Well, I don't know how I feel about it, except that for a guy who released one album only on the internet, <laughs> it seemed just like a marketing ploy to me. Uh, doing, you know, announcing this and making this a big deal. And it almost reads like he's trying to make it hard for you to get his record <laughs> or something. It's, I don't know. It's fine. I don't care. I'm, uh, I hope the music's good. <laughs> he's very hit or miss musically so I hope he is good. i think that the last one was quite acceptable it wasn't kind of classic prince but it was you know getting a bit more like it i seem to remember although i don't remember any of the tunes on it uh, um, um so I'm, I'm afraid yeah well you know what can i say <laughs> i didn't listen to them enough times i oh, know dave are you, are you a prince fan used to be massive blimey i think we had this conversation before we did we, didn't about, we um yes having sex like prince anyway uh yeah 
I thought what I thought was really fascinating about this is when you pointed to the link, it was the comments more than anything else. Yeah, God, it's just, just kind of cracked me up. There were so many, weren't there? Loads. Including the one about Carl Hyde writing where doves. Crack. I was going to ask you that, and I, I replied to that today because I was thinking, hold on a minute, that can't be right, can it? That just sounds like total misinformation. Because surely, if he had, he'd be, you know, flying about in a helicopter. Hmm. Yeah, no, I don't think it's true. I know he worked at Paisley Park. Um, producing an album for, uh, goodness me, The Girl from Berlin. Right. Was anyway. that the actual name of the band or just... Um... Terry Nunn, that was it. Oh, okay. Uh, so I know he worked at Paisley Park for quite a while, uh, but I, as far as I'm aware, he didn't write that. He's never said he wrote that. So, yeah, but it was all the comments. And I think, uh, like everybody, it's a bit of a publicity stunt. That's but doing hey, it. if he doesn't want to give it to iTunes, he doesn't have to give it to iTunes. I think it's quite good that somebody isn't giving it to iTunes. I mean, it's quite nice that Apple hasn't got their finger in that particular pie, just for a change. I wonder if he didn't use any Apple computers at all on the making of the album, just to sort of complete the circle. I'm sure that all of our PC um, user friends out there would probably like to think so. I don't know. I mean, I hope it's good. PJ, you're in Prince's hometown. What's the word on the street? I am. Well, he's not only a local tre- treasure, but also a bit of a pretentious twat, I think. And, um, <laughs> God <laughs> no, forbid. I, I, I agree with everybody else. I think it's just a marketing ploy. I mean, he, he did something similar in the States where he only released a record through one retailer, one big box retailer, and said it wouldn't be available in any other markets worldwide. And he did this a couple years ago. Um, was it? Was it the same magazine in Britain or was it a different? I, re- I remember we talked about this when he released his last record in Britain in the cover of one of your magazines, the Sunday Mail or one of those. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he just, yeah, he just seems to do, he just seems to do this, you know, and this is his, his new thing and a guy, his size and with his stature and that's uh, not a pun. Um, is able is able to is able to do this kind of thing uh whereas uh the rest of the musicians that are attempting to to make it these days have to rely on the internet and and believe wholeheartedly that it's not over <laughs> but i would be i mean because we did that thing about the uh, the albums you know most albums sell less than a thousand copies you know or whatever it was just some sort of terrifying kind of uh, figure and it looks like prince has figured a way around this i mean admittedly he's having to leverage his brand fairly heavily which is back at prince so he's obviously thinking straight rather than squiggle so you know i i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing but um I suppose the thing is, is you tend to then, when you're when you're publishing through newspapers, you then become aligned to the editorial stance, perhaps of the Daily Mirror or whoever it was. At least it's not the Mail this time. But anyway, that's probably not best not to go there. But it's an interesting idea, and he's obviously played it well because I mean, presumably, what I, I imagine the conversation went something like this: So, Prince, let's do this again, but this time we really want to make sure that we get our mo- recoup our money's worth because it costs us a lot of money. Okay, don't worry, I'll think of something. I'll think of something to make sure that we get enough publicity so that everybody will buy your paper and uh, and we'll get a, a lot of extra sales. And I can guarantee that your sales will be up by X. Sounds like maybe his part of the deal's kind of been fulfilled with this particular comment because it's been picked up and run with by everybody. Not, you know, not in part the paper that the CD's actually appearing on. Prince says internet is over, shocker. By the way, buy a CD. Or don't, get it free. No, it's clever stuff, you know, or is it clever? I mean, it just seems kind of fairly straightforward, but I mean, we've all, I can appreciate the fact that it's, 
it's been done and done well. And I hope it does well for him. And I hope he continues to make records because who knows, one day he might make another, you know, absolute classic, another sign of the times, another, you know. Well, you know, he did this back in in 2004, I think late 2004, early 2005 on one of his. uh, And for all I know, he's still doing this. I haven't seen him live in, in that in that period of time but he was on the musicology tour and he gave away that record with the purchase of a ticket to his show and uh-huh. i think that uh you know not only does it get it out there but to to those people to whom this kind of thing matters and i'm i'm sure there's there's a number of them with you know within his sphere uh it escalates his sales numbers doesn't it to sure. to do this kind of thing yeah why ever not well, and yeah. to be fair to the to the little midget, um, <laughs> he when back when he adopted the squiggle, he claimed, or shortly thereafter, and and sh- and shaved the word slave onto one cheek of his face. Mm-hmm. He uh, claimed that this had to do with some sort of unfair contractual obligation that Prince had with Warner Brothers, and that this was the only way around it or something, or with some record label. I think it was Warner Brothers. It was Warner but, Brothers, yep. yep. But in any case, there's this sort of uh, fighting the power thing that runs deep with him, apparently. And uh, I think that he's probably got what he believes to be a legitimate beef with iTunes as a distribution medium. Uh, based on what I've read about this, so I'll give him that much credit. But I still think it's it's definitely you know to get up and say the the internet's done is uh, something of a marketing. But how theory. how about this? Let's take this as a scenario. Album goes out on the front of the Daily Mail. It's actually brilliant. Let's say, for instance, you know it's absolutely awesome. It's got some cracking singles on it. What do you do then? What happens then? How do you, you know what? I don't really understand what where you go. I mean, did you just ignore that and just go, well, that's all right. We've it's been and done. Do you bother kind of promoting anything? Do you do you do anything else about it? But what do you do if it's an absolutely brilliant record and that those days sales have gone? What what? How do you then get hold of it if you've heard? Oh my god, it's a brilliant record. What do I do now? How do I get to it? You go to a record store, and there are a few of those still remaining. Oh right, so it's going to be sold outside of um, distribution on newspapers. That's my understanding. That that was Maybe. what I took from it. Okay. Well, let's hope it is great because I want to hear a great Prince record. I love Prince. You know, yeah, he was too. he was my kind mm-hmm. of musical he hero mentor. Uh, I don't know if I ever told the story, but um, when back in the day when I used to do um, pop music myself, I had to go to Paris for to, to do some promo, and we ended up um, being driven around by this driver called Guillaume. Uh, who uh, proceeded to kind of join us in every bar we went to and then got really drunk and came back to our hotel and wouldn't kind of go home. But he'd been, the previous week, he'd been driving Prince around Paris and was telling us all this stuff and was saying, oh yeah, he kept playing me these demos and showed me he had this truck parked outside the hotel that just had a studio in it. He never slept. And I anyway, I was just lapping it up. I loved it. You know, that's as close as I ever got to him, you know, but um, that was good enough for me. Oh, I, I worked next door to him for a couple of months. Uh, in the record plant in LA in 94. Uh-huh. So I used to stand outside and listen to him work sometimes on a break. Mm. It's just, yeah, legend, living legend. He's I played uh, with a number of his band members and they're all fantastic musicians and, and crazy in their own right. So it's, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting the way his sphere of influence concentrically yeah. proceeds outward. Brilliant mm-hmm. stuff, though. Brilliant. I hope it's great. Anyway, July the 10th. I don't even know what it's called. I should have done a bit of research, shouldn't I? Uh, does it say in my notes? Uh, oh, it's called 2010. Um, 20 T E N. 
which is kind of cool. That's, that's got a certain symmetry about it. So, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe he's got the button. I know there's this new uh, legislation proposed in the US, isn't there, that they can turn the internet off, or the president <laughs> will have the power to turn the internet off. Maybe <laughs> really? the prince is going to have that button. Is it the big red button next to the firing the nuclear missiles button? There's a green button yeah, for the internet and a red button for the... God, that's a funny thought, isn't it? The internet off where? All over the world or just in the US? I think it's just the US, but they're kind of, I, I suppose that'll take Oh, actually, risk. what am I yeah. saying? That's, that's all my server's gone then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they've kind of done a deal with Prince. It's like, well, you have the button, you safeguard it. Yes. They could do worse, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, shall we have what well, we've got a couple of other things. I think maybe um, can we have a quick listen to the Prodigy lead sounds and then maybe, you know, I'm not sure everybody will be into the Prodigy, but it might raise an interesting discussion about the prophecy and various other things. So here we go. Actually, it's not, it doesn't make it's a great Skype listening, but believe me, there's 20 um, classic Prodigy lead sounds in there. And I know not everybody is a, possibly a fan of Prodigy, but no one can deny their influence from, what was it, about 1990, possibly a bit earlier, and the sort of on the kind of synth techno home bedroom kind of vibe. They came up with some cracking sounds, and not all of them were in that clip I played. Um, and I just wondered, uh, firstly, Dave, you're probably the only person who might answer this, although I may be prejudging the rest of our panel. Any particular favourites of Prodigy lead lines in there? Uh, do you know, to be honest, I only really got into them, uh, blimey, Fat of the Land, and the, what was the album just before that, Jilted Generation? Mm. I remember seeing them at Reading and thinking, blimey, he's mustard. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, they live, they, they, he lives not far from the Unders. Uh-huh. So I think he's in the same sort of village. Um yeah. It was right. a little techno village somewhere in kind of yeah. Oxfordshire. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of hear this boom, boom, boom coming from North Essex. It's probably one or other. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I was kind of, yeah, I got I, I thought Fat of the Land was awesome, actually. Really awesome. Yeah, some great, I mean, really aggressive kind of synth and techno stuff. It's a totally new sort of sound. And uh, there's a whole bunch of leads in there. I mean, obviously, uh, I think that, unfortunately, the title of the track that, uh, that I think the lead is kind of cracking, which is uh, Smack My Bitch Up, is just an amazingly confrontational title for a song. Uh, lead sound and uh, and was a really controversial video, a brilliant that piece of music. Awesome. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just wondered whether or not anybody else... Uh, th- th- it seems to me, over the years, while I've been kind of uh, looking after Sonic State and comments and various things, you know, where there's been synths posted on SynthSite and all that stuff, there's an enormous amount of Prodigy fans all over the world. And every lots of people want to kind of, they all go, how do it, does it make a sound like the Prodigy? So there, there's no doubt that they are a big force in electronic music. Have, they, have your paths crossed much, PJ? Yeah, uh, the second half of last decade was very much that sound kind of defines that for me because I was a big Trent Reznor fan as I'm sure a lot of people were. Um, and just, I feel like, uh, prodigy was sort of the English answer to that or almost, almost as, you know, taking that sort of harder, darker side of synth programming and doing something different with it. Yeah. And I I just, I I love it. Excellent. Any particular favorites in that, um, pastiche? I love I love the song Firestarter. 
Yeah. Keith. Yeah. Keith is the twisted fire starter. He always he he does look very, very scary, but I can't imagine what he must be like before or after a gig. Because I mean he must be getting on a bit now, and he's probably a bit old to be the kind of amphetamine crazed <laughs> punky kind of guy. And he does wear a jumper quite often these days. But I mean he's he's I mean, when he got involved, that just took them to a new level, really, didn't it? They were yeah. massively, but it's, it's interesting. There was uh, they use the Cork prophecy quite a lot. I don't know, Rich. Is, are, are the prodigy anything that uh, perhaps uh, Niall's been referring to on any musical projects to sort of get a bit in there, perhaps? <laughs> I'm uh, slightly <laughs> embarrassed to admit I had never heard of these guys. Oh wow, that's that's quite Period. unusual. Let, alone, that is quite let unusual. alone heard their music. I'd never heard of them. Uh, enjoyed the little clips to some extent in terms of synth pop, and uh, yeah, okay. Those They're a big, really stuff. big festival act now. They do a lot of festival gigs, and they just—it's—I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's almost like heavy metal. It's not, you know, nowadays. It's really heavy and really loud, really fast, and really kind of flashing light and stuff. And they—they they kind of fulfil this sort of big, vibey excitement um, that perhaps you're not getting from, you know, a lot of other acts because they're more musical. They're, as uh, as people have been saying in the chat room, there's no. Um, there's not really uh, much musicality to them, apart from perhaps the lead signs and some of the some of the riffs are particularly kind of spot on. But um, the other thing that uh, came out of it was that um, they used the prophecy, Korg prophecy, a lot. And I've never played a Korg prophecy, and I noticed there was a really good demo. I wanted to play this demo because I just thought it sounded brilliant and, and incredibly prodigy-like. It's a kind of one of those repetitive riffs, but it was a brilliant, um, absolutely brilliant um, demo there from uh, W. I forget what his name is now. I should have this brilliant Polish guy who does all lots and lots of synth demos. I'll put the link in the show notes. And uh, there's a, like a nine or ten minute um, demo of the Prodigy, and I didn't realise the Prophecy rather, and I didn't realise it was so incredibly deep. It seems like it's a pretty deep synth. Did you have you come across this one, Dave? Called oh, Prophecy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I remember when it came out. I would recommend anybody to buy this. In fact, I want to get one because they really are going for amazing prices. I saw one go on eBay fairly recently for 150 quid. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm what? there. I'm there. I'm there. It's insanely <laughs> deep. It really is insanely deep. Um, I, I think it was one of the first of the sort of VA things, wasn't it? But it had FM, had a kind of a type of FM synthesis, all sorts of kind of physical model stuff in there. I remember sitting with a guy who... Uh, was one of the core main guys in the UK, Phil McDonald, years ago, and he was kind of talking me through it. And seriously, we could have sat there for like eight hours trying to you know, <laughs> understand. The routing was just unbelievably complicated. Really, really stunning. Stunning instrument. And I love that little log controller thing. Yeah, that's right. I'm on. Um, I'm actually on eBay now. <laughs> See if I can find one because <laughs> that does seem a little bit um, of a bargain. And, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, I'm just trying to say, uh, Howard Sky in the chat room said it was W.C. Olo Garb, who's from Krakow in, Pol in uh, Poland. His uh, demos are brilliant. They are brilliant. Yeah, they are yeah. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, there's one here at the moment. Um, oh, no, it's a prophecy board. Uh, 239, buy it now. 240, which seems cheap. Yeah, 
doesn't seem very expensive. I wonder if I should buy that now, quickly. It's, it's kind of well worth now, it. If you want to spend time with an instrument hmm. and really get deep with it, it's, it's Nick, kind of Nick, one, dis- one distinction you'll have to look out for, possibly, if you're going to buy it on eBay, is that I know that there was an expansion there was an expansion prophecy board for one of the other Quark synthesizers. Yeah, Trinity. Uh, yeah, Trinity, Trinity, Trinity with yeah. Prophecy Board. But uh, it looks to me like it's the interface for this prophecy because it's got, there's a lot, I mean, it's, it uses the sort of the, the uh, parameter matrix kind of vibe, but there's so many buttons to the right-hand side of the uh, LCD that you can quickly get a whole new set of parameters to tweak by the looks of things. And that, because um, it's got a pitch and a mod wheel, but it's also got that kind of, it's like a mod wheel with uh, a ribbon in the middle of it. Yeah? That's right. Yep. Yeah, the log. The log. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> There's a little bit of um, big Robert log. Plant. Robert Plant, big there. log. There we go. There's the link oh, there. There he is. I think big log has got to be somewhere in the show title. Uh, Rich, <laughs> Rich, has the prophecy crossed? Have you crossed paths with the prophecy? Briefly, when it first came out, uh, I do remember it. I do remember the log. I, I can't remember why. I remember at the time... It was really poo-pooed, and people went, ah, nah, nah. And I can't remember why that was. Because it, it, it was virtual analog. analog. Right, okay. And yeah. also monophonic. Yeah, yeah except you so. could expand it to six voices, couldn't you? I think yeah. there was an expansion for it that allowed you to go to six. Uh, and it was a grand, uh, which seems like quite a lot back then. I mean, what was it? It must have been in the uh, early 90s it came out? Yeah, also 94, somewhere in there. I think the monophonic thing really set it apart and made it seem less desirable to people. Yeah, no, I think yeah. you're right. Definitely. And also, in terms of physical modeling stuff, you know, Yamaha had the VL1, was it, and the VL7? Right. But was that, that even really, out at the time? I think, that's, I think, I think so. it was, yeah. It really started to kind of capture the imagination of people. I mean, again, yeah. control Well, and I remember that then one. Roland released the, JP, the JP8000 right around that mm. time, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which was, was kind of yeah. a flood to the market of these VA synths. That's right, and, and all of them were polyphonic, weren't they? Yeah, but Korg mm. was. was I, I want to say Korg beat them all by an inch to the market, and nobody knew what to make of it. I think. You know, oh right. You're, you're, and you're like, what? What do you mean it's virtual analog? I mean, isn't this just another digital synth? Right. But yeah, right. Zawinol used one. I seem to remember now, because it was a lead synth, wasn't it? And at the time, it was all about polysynths and pads and stuff. I seem to remember, or a lot yeah. of it was. I mean, that's what, because I remember looking at it and thinking, no, this is, it, it, I can't see how I'd use it, because it's, it's a performance instrument, and I want something that is multi-timbral. That's right. Multi-timbrality was the big thing back then, wasn't it? And you were kind of, if you bought, if you spent a grand on a synth, particularly, you know, from, you know, for me as a remixer or bedroom musician or whatever, I wanted to be able to get a load of stuff out of it at the same time. JV1080, those kind of things. Yeah, which is exactly, exactly what I bought. Yeah. <laughs> Romplers. Or oh, my my yeah. but my button my finger is hovered over that button. I wonder whether to to take it. Do you think I should buy? Do you think I could sell it for more than two hundred and forty quid? If I if I'm if I don't find that I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Go for it. Okay, folks. I'm going to buy the Cork Prophecy Analog Modeling Synth live online here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting encouragement from the. Uh, What's the damage? Uh, two hundred and thirty nine quid. There you go. If you don't like it, I'll have it. All right. <laughs> All right, go. Dave, it's a deal. There you go. Uh, mind you, I'm praying now. I think it might have gone because I've been talking about it. I'm not, get, I'm not getting through it. I can't, get, I can't get through. I've just blown it, haven't I? God damn. should shut my mouth. Oh, no, it's my, uh, for some reason, it's my, um, 
my internet connection seems to have gone tits up because I'm using all the available bandwidth for uh, <laughs> for this. I'm going to give it another go. God damn. I want to buy it. Yes, I do want to buy it. Let me have it. No, it can't be. Suspense is killing me. It won't let me. <laughs> I can't do it. It won't let me. Oh. That's terrible, isn't it? I'm going to try one let's more bid, time. Let's bid the price up on him. Yeah. No, it's a buy it now price. It's buy it now. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, oh, curse you. We're in email correspondence with the seller. Yeah, Tell right. Jack the price up on you, yeah. Oh, God. Okay, hold on. I've got to sign in now, and I'm, yeah, I'm not going to make it, am I? <laughs> oh, boy. You are terrible, Dave. You just said, go on. Well, the only reason I'm doing this is because I've, I've sold an old um, amp of mine. I'm buying it. Yay, I just bought it. I just bought a Korg Prophecy. Excellent. <laughs> Mint condition, apart from, yeah, most of the keys are missing. So I, at the very least, it can be another prop in my um, synthesizer backdrop for my reviews, and I'll plug it in. Excellent. Yeah, I'm sure it's working. It says it all works perfectly. It looked good next to that mofo you got over there. I still use it. I'll tell you what the mofo was really good for um, when I was reviewing the um, the Poly KB because I could put I could map all the controllers. And I've come to the conclusion after all this time looking for the perfect controller. The perfect controller is in fact an analog, a, a virtual analog synth which has dedicated knobs that outputs on CC MIDI CC that you map to all the controls in your plugin. That. You know, it takes a little while and you have to piss around a little bit, but that is the best way because you look at it and the filter, you go, oh, there's the filter knob. I need to change the filter. And it says filter and it does the filter. That's that. After all this time, <laughs> that's basically what you need. I'm going to go get the old um, Novation KS4 because I've got one of those, which has got lots of knobs on and use that to control my synths in future. Or Dave, cool. you get one built like you had for your Imp 2. Yeah. Yeah. But that's cool. Yeah. Not at the same price. No, I suppose. <laughs> right, I've just bought it. Oh, what have I done? Excellent. Well, no, if you, if you, honestly, if you don't like it, I'll have it off you. All right. Okay. Well, uh, what can I say? I'm protected. I'm protected, yep. but I've got synth, in, synth, in, synth insurance. <laughs> the Dave Spears guarantee. Yeah, yeah. If you don't want it, it'll end up around mine. guaranteed money back. Money <laughs> back guarantee. Passed out. Yeah. Right. Well. I, I, anyway, so that just goes to prove how how uh, what a great um, demo that guy did, and um, how impressed I was with the synth. I, I, I like that. But that, that initial clip that I played was just, the filter on it just sounded really kind of vicious and kind of lovely. Um, yeah. Cool prophecy. Your favourite lead sound. Actually, I should ask, what's, you know, if we're talking about favourite lead sound, I'm talking kind of contemporary pop synth lead. What's, um, can we have any other contenders other than the Prophecy Rich? As you've not heard of the Prophecy, perhaps you'd like to go first and see whether you could uh, um, identify something that kind of you've heard recently that makes you go, ooh, that's nice. I, I do very little synth lead work, but uh, I'd either reach for Minimoog or something virtual in my world, or the Prophet. You know, mm. I'd, I'd, you know, it would be one of those. It'd be what I have around. Uh -huh. It's not. Um, no, I know what you mean. I could, I'd, listening to that Prodigy thing, I could make most of those sounds with most of the synths I have. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was so just sort of short samples It's down as well. to what you have in your head and how you take what's in front of you and turn it into something that works. So I'm fine with the Minimoog and the Prophet I've got. I'm fine with most of the virtual stuff I got. I've been using uh, Dave's stuff quite a bit in the last week. Um, 
I'll use some native instrument stuff on occasion, you know, but I, it, I don't have too much trouble with synth leads and I don't do too much of it anyway. Mm. It's not really a part of what we do very much. No, I guess. I just I just realized I used the Sonic credit card to pay for that accidentally. <laughs> Oops, That's I think I'm going to get an email. I'm going to get an email from Andy shortly saying, "Um, what um what's this then exactly?" Like me. Oops. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> That's got the sweat on a little bit more. Anyway, um it's been much fun as usual. Um thank you very much for everybody for joining us and thank you for our chatties. Um we've got we've had another good uh, bumper week so uh, obviously it worked well. I like I say we're going to try and get our own IRC server together. Uh unless anybody fancies uh, donating one that we can then access via a a flash chat that nobody else can get to so it just means that you know nobody has to administrate it because only our app can use it if you see what I mean. Then we people won't have to sign into Ustream to uh join the chat. And they'll be able to hold on to their nicknames. I think I'm making sense. Somebody out there will know what I'm talking about. But anyway, thank you very much to our chatties. And also, thank you very much to all my uh, other guests. And PJ, it's been great to have you aboard. I really appreciate you coming back in. And I hope we'll, we'll have you again soon if you're not uh, still too busy doing your games work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I really appreciate uh, you having me back. Oh, anytime, anytime. It's, it's, We've it's missed always you. a pleasure to be part of this group. We missed you, we missed you. Yeah, Thank we you. were asking. PJTracyMusic.com, where you can see what PJ's up to. And uh, I know you've got a bunch of clips up there as well, I noticed, because I, I was looking I was looking for signs of where you were, <laughs> and I had to make do with um, with, with your music, which is a, a fine substitute, but nothing like the real thing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's a lot of new work up there. So if anybody's anybody's interested in what I've been doing this spring, it's there. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. And uh, also, uh, while we're on that side of the pond, although it makes no difference because we're all connecting digitally, um, Rich Hilton, thank you very much for joining us too. I hope uh, your air conditioning can can get you through the day because it's well, going to be thank hot. You. Yeah, it's 94 degrees here now. The air conditioner is doing the job and uh, we'll be fine. Is thank it 94 you. degrees in the room with the air conditioning on? Or? No, 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 no. 94 outside. <laughs> And uh, probably fairly humid as well. But anyway, um, great time as always. Nice to be back and uh, really love doing these, as you know. Yep, great. Well, I'm glad you could make it. And uh, of course, I forget to mention, you can also watch this on uh, Ustream, the live recording, which is why I try to uh, to to keep a keep a rail on my own potty mouth during the recording of this. But And, and so on to Dave Spears from G4Software.com. <laughs> Thank you for joining us too. Much appreciated. And Thank you. I'm not sure I should be so appreciative of you talking me into buying that synth, but uh, I think that if I don't if I don't like it, it's coming your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, it's a lovely it, looking yeah. thing, or a lovely sounding thing. So I'm going to check that out. I bought a Korg Prophecy online, uh, g4software.com. Uh, keep an eye on their site. Uh, things good things coming from them soon. And uh, appreciate you taking the time out because I know it's pretty hot where you are as well. Actually, have you got the fan on? Me? Yeah. No. 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 Somebody offered me an AC unit the other day, and it oh. was like, oh, I'm very tempted, but he's going to hold it for me for a bit. Take it. And I suppose you haven't got any room for it. Can, can you not fit it between the back door and the garage door and have it in between and, port, and a port somewhere? No, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm, I'm trying to move. Yeah. I want to move. I need a bigger room. Yeah, I think you need a bigger room too. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Bath. You know you want to. Yeah, no, we'll, I'd love we'll, to. we'll get some giant kind of uh, 
creative musical complex where we can all just uh, homogenise and you can uh, you can come into the studio and jump on the train home or, or move to Bath anyway. I'm sure the wife won't mind. That's what, I mean, Chris really wants to do that. He was just like, why, don't, why can't we go down there? I'm like, because it's £30, the return ticket on the train, dude. <laughs> well, he's all, you're always welcome anytime. You know you are. And uh, so thank you very much. That, that was Sonic Talk number 181. Oh, there was one last thing um, in, in, in the immortal words of Steve Jobs. Mark's motorbike, the mean hog, won an award recently. Um, yeah. I'll put a link in. And he, uh, he won a best in class for his uh, unpleasant motorcycle, as he calls it. it uh, but he did have to ride 35 miles um back on it as as you know he said a couple of times um it's it's something you can only ride for kind of five or ten minutes so when he got back he said he couldn't hear a thing and his his bum hurt a lot because there's no suspension (laughs) but he got a rosette so congratulations mark and um keep building those motorcycles (laughs) so um, that was it sonic talk number 181 is over and out and don't forget Thank you very much to Yamaha sponsors for the show, sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha, and go visit mickcarn.net and um, donate generously. 